This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast discussing issues surrounding your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. On today's episode of Health Dose, we'll be discussing how exercise is medicine, as well as reviewing the latest exercise guidelines. We're joined today by Dr. Jay Pinney. Dr. Pinney is the medical director of MidMichigan Health's WellSport program and is board certified in family and sports medicine. Dr. Pinney provides sports injury evaluation, treatment, and preventative care to athletes of all levels and ages. Health Dose asked Dr. Pinney, what should my exercise goals be? Everybody's exercise goals are different depending on where they're starting from and what their personal situation, their personal health, any orthopedic shortcomings or things that they're working on. And so I think those exercise goals, in a quick answer to your question, really need to be individualized to the particular people. There are some generalized goals that are out there and have recently been updated in late 2018. An adult defined as age greater than 18 or above should try and achieve 150 minutes per week of moderate exercise or 75 minutes per week of vigorous exercise. Now, more is actually better depending on your own personal situation and and the safety of that. Um, So those are minimum guidelines set forth, at least in the new guidelines, right? That having been said, if I'm sedentary, and I I happen to be, and sit at my desk a lot, I'm not going to go out there the first week and try to hit that 150 to 300 minutes right off the bat. It's probably a good idea to start slow and work to a goal. Exactly. The concept of progression is really important when you're developing an exercise prescription for somebody. What we mean by that is figure out where they're at now, figure out what your likes and dislikes and and what your resources are, and then try and tailor somewhat of a progressive program Mm -hmm. and get you somewhat up to speed, so to speak, over the next six weeks to three months is somewhat as what we set as goals. What about kids? What about children, teenagers? What should their goals be? So the new guidelines spell out some categories. And they start with the age three to five, believe it or not, where we're recognizing more and more that exercise is extremely important under young people, maybe trying to head off the obesity epidemic or the inactivity epidemic. But at age three to five, we really shoot to do something at least for three hours a day and encourage consistent, active types of things, active play, so to speak. In the next category of people, really in the 6 to 17, it's at 60 minutes a day is, again, kind of set as a minimum goal for when we want people to be active. And then the adult population, again, that 150 minutes per week of moderate, 75 minutes per week of vigorous exercise. The NFL Play 60 programs got it right for kids. That's a good idea. Yes. What changed these new exercise guidelines? What's the reason we're rethinking this? I think the guidelines haven't been updated since 2008. And really, a lot of data has exploded over these last 10 years supporting the benefits of exercise, which we've been talking about for the last 10 to 15 years anyways. But I think there's been more and more studies that have helped to support not just for general health, but for cardiovascular health, stroke and heart disease prevention, cancer prevention in certain areas, treatment of depression and anxiety and obesity, all of which we've seen these problems explode over these last number of years. And all those are interconnected. Absolutely. And there's a lot of emphasis being put on the sedentary desk worker too. And maybe you can tell me what are some tips that you would give somebody who sits at a desk for a living to keep their movement level up throughout the day? 
Yeah, I think sitting has been uh, really shown to be the new smoking. The more time you spend sedentary and sitting, that actually can be at least as important as being a smoker, if not even more of a risk factor for especially for cardiovascular disease. So I think people can do a number of things. People have had stand-up desk stations. People have gotten up and walking around. We had treadmill workstations at our office for a while just to demonstrate what can be done when you're up and moving around rather than just sitting. I'm a big fan of the Fitbit and the steps tracker on my cell phone. And I find out if I just put in a little extra effort, I can double my number of steps in the day. Yeah, I think that's a great way to track as a general guideline to track. And people argue about the accuracy here or there, but generally it's a guideline for you. You establish your norm. Shooting for 7,500 to 10,000 steps a day is an excellent goal and fairly easily attainable if you really focus on being up, moving around. What's in it for me? What are the benefits of regular exercise? I think, again, the benefits really, we think, first of all, cardiovascular benefits, preventing or at least decreasing your risk of heart disease and stroke, treating high cholesterol, lowering your blood pressure, improving your mood, improving your sleep habits, and essentially improving your overall sense of well-being, which I think is really important to most people. Mm -hmm. The goals might be different for a young person as opposed to a middle-aged person as opposed to the elderly. And you've talked before about the importance of core muscle strength in the elderly. And maybe you could expound on that because I, I'm always talking about my mom who's a gardener and that's her form of exercise. And core is very important to the elderly. Core is important. And core implies those muscles around the hip and around the abdomen in the low back. And unfortunately, unless we really target and work on those, those don't just naturally stay strong as we get older. And yet we all still want to do the things we always did when we were younger. So unless we work on those, we tend to get more problems with balance problems and low back pain mm -hmm. and those types of things that tend to get in our way then as we get older and try and do our activities. Prevention of falls in the elderly is a huge thing that anything we can do to improve that in physical activity, especially strength training, seems to be very effective in helping to prevent falls. Prevention of falls is not just disease prevention. It's more like death prevention. Absolutely. You know, if somebody falls and breaks a hip, they got about a 50% chance in some cases of actually dying of the complications of that. And those that don't die, they have about a 50% chance of getting back to their usual level of activity. So it's a very serious illness. Let's break down those different kinds of exercise activities and how their benefits might differ. Let's start with aerobic activity. So exercise has always been classified in a couple of different ways. Aerobic activity simply implies really the movement of the large joints. We think of it as walking, of jogging, of stationary biking, of swimming, those things where you're using the big joints, you're getting your heart activity, your heart rate up, and helping to condition your heart to do the various activities. Muscle strengthening and bone strengthening? Right. I think those can be kind of grouped into what we call resistance training, where you're really doing things against a certain resistance. That resistance can be your body weight. It can be stretch bands. It can be hand weights. It can be machines. Anything that really causes those muscles to move. And really, resistance training is a key part of an overall exercise program and really should be done a minimum of two to three days per week per session, really exercising the major joints, putting a program together to exercise the major joints. And that aerobic activity, that resistance training is quite different from what you might find in balance training. Uh, right. I think balance training, you kind of group that a little bit with flexibility training. So working on keeping the joints moving better and at the same time really working on balancing, whether it's doing Pilates, doing yoga, or just doing exercises where you're balancing on one leg, the other leg, that type of thing. How do I gauge the intensity of my exercise and how do I know that I'm doing it at the right level? 
Intensity has always been one of those difficult things. And I think people have always gotten into looking at their heart rate and doing a certain percentage of their heart rate for those people that like to be really analytical. There's a really good chart at the community center that talks about if you're 55, you should have this heart rate. Is that really the way to go? Those are general guidelines. And I think the true way to use your heart rate is is actually if you have a stress test and can determine actually on the stress test what your maximum heart rate you can obtain. And then base your calculations on maybe 70 to 80% of that maximum heart rate, setting that as somewhat of a guideline. I think it's much easier to really use your symptoms as a guideline and really that conversational pace where you're doing relatively moderate activity but becomes vigorous when you can't quite carry on a conversation while you're doing your activity. Some people call that the sing level, whereas if you start to work a little harder, you can't sing. Before I start my exercise program, why should I consult a physician? What reasons might I need to see you before I do this? I think everybody is different in everybody's situation, whether it's their age, whether it's their physical condition, whether it's the medicines they're on. All these things can impact your ability to do certain exercises and may direct you into a little bit different type of exercise that you've been used to doing. So I think it's a matter of keeping it safe, but also being able to achieve the maximum benefit from the exercise program that you're going to embark on. So as a physician through WellSport, how do you incorporate exercise as medicine? Remembering that every patient is different. We try and learn as much as we can about the patient, learn really what their situation is and what their goals are and what their resources are. And then we try and taper our suggestions to that individual. I find that as a physician, it's a little frustrating time-wise in my office to be able to spend the type of time it needs to really develop a concrete program for people. So we've developed a uh, program whereby they can meet with an athletic trainer, go through some of the things that I just talked about, and actually develop a program of exercise. The trainer can actually demonstrate that and be comfortable with the fact that the patient actually knows that. So I think that it's much more effective when we can go that next step Mm -hmm. and refer that patient for some athletic training so they can then go out in the community and utilize the resources in the community much more effectively to their particular needs. I think most people hear athletic trainer and they're thinking, I don't want to do sports. I just want to be able to do my housework. Yeah, and athletic, our athletic trainers really try and take their goals, their situation in mind as they try and help them Mm -hmm. to develop the program that's going to be right for them. You use the term resources. What What do you mean by resources? Well, I think that everybody has access to different things, whether it's in my case, I've developed resources at home, different equipment, because I just don't always consistently, I'm not able to consistently get out there. Some people have access to the community center. We have excellent exercise facilities, some private facilities here in town, corporate facilities. So knowing what that patient has access to is much more helpful for us to help them to design a program. We don't teach them to use the things in our facility. We teach them to use the things that they're going to have access to and teach them those exercises that they could do out there. That's board-certified family and sports medicine physician, Dr. Jay Pinney. MidMichigan's WellSport team participates in Exercise is Medicine, a program designed to promote the benefits of exercise for overall good health. WellSport locations are available in Bay City, Midland, and Mount Pleasant. For more information, visit midmichigan.org wellsport. As always, if you have health concerns, consult your health care provider. If you need help finding a health care provider, you can go to midmichigan.org slash doctors. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Check back again soon for another edition of Health Dose.